All God's people said, Amen. Amen. Now, I don't want to make anybody uncomfortable when I say this, but there was a little bit more than just swaying going on on that last song. I I think we actually stepped into a little bit of dancing in here, so uh, we're going to lose our Baptist credentials if that keeps up. That's okay, amen? Amen. I think David had a little something to say about dancing before the Lord, but uh, hey, that's just biblical. All right, so I invite you, if you would, to go in your Bibles right now, James chapter 1, verses 2 through 4. James 1, 2 through 4. So let me say from the very beginning that every believer needs to study these three verses. And I'm going to emphasize the word needs. It's not just that we should study these verses. It's not just that it would be beneficial to study these verses. It's not just a great idea if we get around to it to study these verses. Every believer needs to study these verses. There's entirely too much at stake in this text. For some people, your sanity and your peace of mind are at stake. You've been fighting hell by the acre for months, if not years. You're tired. You're hurting. You're frustrated. And that alone is bad enough, but somewhere in the process, there's another struggle that you've come into, and it's been harder and harder to connect with God as you've gone through that trial. And whenever you're a believer and you go through something hard, you want to take those things to God. He is your refuge. He is your safe place. He is the one who can calm you and give you perspective in that moment. But you'll notice over a period of time when You've been praying and praying and nothing seems to change and the circumstances seem to be identical. You begin to experience a new type of weariness and frustration. You begin to ask this question, if I can't even share it with God and him respond, where do I go then? It doesn't matter how long you've been walking with Jesus. When God seems silent or distant, it will disturb your peace of mind. If you can identify with any of that, you need to study these verses. For others, your faith has taken a hit, and trusting God is currently at stake in your life. Maybe it's either through one big crisis, or maybe it was a series of small issues that just never resolved themselves. Whatever it is, it's been chipping away at your faith week by week. You keep hearing yourself say things like, What next? Why me? Why now? You're you're wrestling through those, those questions and you begin to see that there's now doubts that are entering into your prayer life and you're seeing God maybe in some different ways and it's not a positive way that you're seeing him. Uh, Maybe cynicism has replaced a little bit of optimism in your life and and quite honestly, it's going to sound strange, but you don't even want to be around yourself right now. Have you ever been in that time? Where you're like, I know I'm not good company. I don't even want to be with myself right now. And yet if you go to the core of the problem, it's an issue of faith. You're struggling to believe as you once did. If you can relate to any of that, you need to study these verses. These verses become an anchor for your soul. They become a place of help for your faith. For others, you're pushing away God's divinely orchestrated means for your spiritual growth, and you might not even recognize it. 
That's what's at stake for you at this point. Did you know that he is training us through the very circumstances we hate? That we hate it so much, we're trying everything we can to get rid of the circumstances. We're trying to pray him away. We're trying to push him away. We're trying to manipulate circumstances and get them away. Some people in this room right now, because the circumstances have been so bad, you're contemplating moving to get away from those circumstances. You're contemplating getting a new job because of those circumstances. You're contemplating severing important relationships to get away from that particular set of circumstances. You, you just want things somehow to go back to normal. You are so consumed in your escape plan that you've not even asked God, would you grow me in these circumstances? Remember, if God allowed it, he's using it. If he's using it, we need it. And if we need it, we can be grateful for it. If any of that seems like it resonates, you need to study these verses. For others, you've been struggling with doubts about your salvation. It's not that it happens all the time. There's periods of time that things seem very normal. You seem very Christian. You, you feel like everything is right on the right path. But then there's those other times where in the back of your mind, you begin to have these thoughts of, am I just a Christian in name only, or am I actually a true Christian? Is it just that I grew up in the church and I've been around the culture and I know the answers to all the Bible questions and I feel comfortable with other believers? Or one day down the road, am I going to be one of those people that when I stand before Jesus, he will say, depart from me. I never knew you. And that thought is sitting in the back of your mind and it's haunting you at certain points. If you can resonate with any of that, you need to study these verses. James is about to unpack some truths early on in this text to show how the trials of our life will expose a counterfeit faith, but it'll also strengthen a genuine faith. That's important for every believer. He's going to set up key truths in these several verses that he's going to go back to over and over again throughout the rest of this letter. And he encourages believers to move beyond your doubts and learn what it looks like to live in the conviction that Jesus is Lord of your life. We need to study this text. Corporately, we need to study this text. Part of our corporate walk of faith Part of our corporate desire to trust God in current and future events comes back to our understanding of what's happening in these three verses. These particular verses are going to impact our walk with other believers through struggles. It, it impacts how it is that we can work with what the Spirit of God is doing in somebody's life and not get in the way of what the Spirit of God is doing in that person's life. This particular set of verses helps us, and man, I love this, it helps us know how to say the right thing in the right moment instead of adding another Christian platitude to somebody's difficult situation. Did you know when somebody's going through a hard time, telling them when God closes a door, he opens a window, it doesn't help. When somebody's going through a hard time, they're like, I, I don't care what he opens, I just want him to open something. We, we, need, we need biblical concepts, biblical truth to help us anchor into what God is doing in hard times. 
As a church, we need to study this text. Now, I know that it might sound as though I am overselling what's going to happen in these three verses, but I actually don't think I'm selling it enough. Let's just be honest as believers. And this, this is a church that believes in the inerrancy and the sufficiency of Scripture. Amen? Amen? Amen. Okay. So if we truly believe that God's Word is active and alive, if we truly believe that it is profitable for reproof and for teaching and for correcting and training in righteousness, if we honestly believe that God desires to mature His believers, then we should live with a state of expectation any time the Word of God is opened and especially when a text is so relevant to our lives. Due to the impact of these verses and all of the truths that are contained therein, we are going to take our time walking through three verses. At least four weeks have taken our time walking through three verses. We're going to come at the same three verses from multiple angles for the next four weeks. So today we're going to talk about trials and perspective. That, that is, how should I think? When you're in the middle of a trial, it's important to know what should I be thinking about? How should I frame this moment in my life? Then we're going to talk about trials and faith. That is, what's being tested? Then we're going to talk about trials and maturity. That is, what is the purpose? What is God doing behind the scenes? Why is God allowing this to happen? And then we're going to talk about trials and perseverance. Why should I keep going at all? There's a lot that we're going to unpack. And I don't even know. By the time week four comes around, we might add week five, week six. I'm not sure. We're just going to see where God leads at this point. So unless providentially hindered, I cannot encourage you enough to be with us for each of these weeks. And not only be with us, bring some other people with you. By the way, we're not the only ones who experience trials there's people who you're working with. There's neighbors that you live next to. There's people you go to school with that what they're going through is exactly what James is about to address. This is a perfect time to invite people to come with you. So if you're not already there, I invite you to go with me in your Bibles. James chapter number 1. James chapter 1 will be in verses 2 through 4. And I'm speaking this morning on trials and perspective. Trials and perspective. It says in verse 2 and following, Consider it all joy, my brethren, when you encounter various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance, and let endurance have its perfect result, so that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. Heavenly Father, may your spirit guide us into all truth. Personalize these verses for what people are walking through. In Jesus' name, amen. It is crucial that believers see trials from a biblical perspective. In fact, it is perspective that helps us see the value of trials. And yes, I just said that, value. There is value in trials. There's value in crisis. There's value in problems. I've been a pastor now for 23 years, and I don't know of a day that passes that somebody does not share with me a struggle that they're going through. They either message me or they email me, they call me, they talk to me in the halls. They, they share different things that they're facing, and 
those things are very common with people. For example, there's people who face health issues, and there's marriage struggles, job loss, financial crises, cycles of sin. There's seasons, it seems like, that people are going through grief and loss, and there's times that parents are struggling with their kids, but give it enough time, and there's going to be the children who are struggling with, how do I care for aging parents? And there's people who are struggling with direction in life, and others feeling as though God is somehow not listening to their prayers, or God is distant, or they're wrestling with other issues. And all along the way, there's been a passage that God has brought me back to, one, one of my favorite passages in Scripture. And I have shared this passage so many times because I feel like in one verse it frames out so much of why we go through what we go through. So here's the text. I believe it's in your notes. It's 2 Corinthians 4.17. Beautiful passage. It says, For momentary, light affliction is producing for us an eternal weight of glory far beyond all comparison. Man, I like that verse. That verse is hopeful. It speaks of momentary light affliction. That doesn't sound bad. It's, it's momentary. It's brief. It's not going to be too long. It's light affliction. It's not going to be too bad. The next phrase is producing for us. That's more good news. When I'm going through a trial or a problem, I tend to focus on everything that trial is taking away from me. It's taking my time. It's taking my energy. It's taking my focus. It sometimes it's taking my money. We ain't got no time for that. I, I love the fact that this thing's saying it's producing something for you. I'm like, wonderful. Keep reading the next part. It's producing an eternal weight of glory far beyond all comparison. That's more good news. This momentary light affliction is producing something for us that's eternal. It lasts forever. It's never going to end. And it also says it's beyond all comparison. It is so good, there's nothing to even compare it to. I look at this and I'm like, that's a good verse. I need to memorize that. I need to put it on my screensaver. I need to put it on my, my refrigerator. Like, that's a great verse. I love it. Reminds me, regardless of what I'm facing, God has a plan through it. God is in control of it. And somewhere down the road, he's going to work it together for my good and for his glory. That's a good verse. And then I read the preceding verses. I want you to see this little moment of happiness. It's going to come up on the screen. Starting in verse number 8, going into that text, it says, We are afflicted in every way, but not crushed perplexed but not despairing, persecuted but not forsaken, struck down but not destroyed. Verse 11, for we who live are constantly being delivered over to death for Jesus' sake so that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our mortal flesh. Therefore, we do not lose heart for momentary light affliction is producing for us an eternal weight of glory far beyond all comparison. When I read those verses, I'm starting to think Paul oversold that momentary light affliction part. I mean, being afflicted in every way, perplexed, persecuted, struck down, and constantly delivered over to death, that sounds like lingering hard affliction to me. Now, to be fair, he did say that we are not crushed despairing, forsaken, or destroyed. 
So we have that. In my mind, that's like saying, I got good and bad news. Bad news is, my hand got cut off. Good news is, I got another one. I'm like, yeah, that's, that is good news in a way, but I'm trying to walk through life with both my hands. You know what I'm saying? In fact, I want a third hand in my life. I want the hand of God in my circumstances. I, I want to walk through things like Ephesians 3 says and looking to God to do abundantly above all that we could ask or think. I'm looking for God to exceed my expectations. I, I'm praying that God is going to intervene immediately and he's going to remove my problems and then he is going to fill my life with blessings in the process. That's what I want him to do. And yet that's not always reality. In fact, Scripture says it. We all know it. God's plans are different than our plans. God's timing and my timing, they're always different. God's purposes are not necessarily my purposes. And here's the part that's so important for me. If I caught a glimpse of this moment from God's perspective, I would want his plan. I wouldn't want mine anymore. That's why perspective going through trials is so important. Perspective is at the core of all of the, the different philosophical questions of the thousands of years previous to this moment. Questions like, how could a loving God allow people to suffer? Where is God when I'm hurting? Why doesn't God stop my pain? Why do bad things happen to good people? Each of those questions are looking for perspective. They're, they're wanting God to somehow shed light on it, to help us to see what he sees, to give us his perspective as we're walking through difficult moments. That leads into our key thought today. Trials are incredibly valuable when you have the right perspective. Trials are incredibly valuable when you have the right perspective perspective. Warren Wearsby gives an incredible quote in his James commentary on this particular set of verses. He said, our values determine our evaluations. If we value comfort more than character, then trials will upset us. If we value the material and physical more than the spiritual, we will not be able to count it all joy. If we live only for the present and forget the future, the trials will make us bitter, not better. End of quote. That first statement is gold. Our values determine our evaluations. If you get nothing else from this morning's message, I'm going to give you one sentence that is so unbelievably important if we are to have God's perspective going through trials. Here's one statement. Our ability to even gain proper perspective is to value what God values. If we don't value what God values, then everything I'm about to share for the rest of this message is not going to matter. If we don't value what God values, then we feel as though every trial is taking something away from us instead of giving something to us. If we don't value what God values, we will never be able to count it all joy. It begins with what we value. So in verse number two, 
James starts with consider it all joy. Consider it, evaluate it, think of it with complete joy. We must learn to evaluate what we're going through from God's perspective. Mentally, when a trial's coming, a crisis is there, we have to mentally stop in that moment, reframe what is happening, and if you can, and if you can't, then ask God to help you in that moment. In that moment, stop and say, God, help me reframe this to see it from your perspective. May I value what you value in this moment. Instead of looking at that same trial and saying, God, why me? Look at the same trial and say, God, teach me. It is a moment in which we get a chance to learn. James not only teaches us to reframe trials from God's perspective, but he even goes as far as to say that we are to reframe them or think of them with all joy. Uh, that one phrase, it speaks of pure joy, unmixed joy, complete and total joy. It's not that we just grin and bear it. It's not that we put on a fake smile as we're getting pummeled by the circumstances of life but rather there is a joy that we can experience because we value what God values. We see what's going to happen in this. If you'll remember, Jesus had this moment over in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2, that it says that for the joy set before him, that's key, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross, despising the shame. In other words, even in the moment, He's looking through the cross at the joy that's on the other side. And because he knew that the cross and the empty tomb and the pain and all that was coming there was going to lead redemptively to the salvation of people and right relationship between people and God, because of that, for the joy set before him, he endures the cross. For you and I, if we are to count it all joy, we have to look through the trial as to what God's going to be doing on the other side. You have to look through the circumstances and say, this is going to be used for my good and for God's glory. God is using the trials to mold us into the image of Christ. Outlook determines outcome. And if we are to end in joy, we need to begin in joy. He says, consider it all joy, my brethren, when you encounter various trials. The word when is important. This particular one is in a mood that speaks of inevitability. It's not an if situation. It's not if you encounter trials. It's when you encounter trials. It is inevitable that you're going to encounter trials. It's a part of living in a fallen world. Now, let's say somebody is willing to go along with the first part of that. And they say, okay, okay, I get it. It's inevitable. Trials are coming. It's not an if, it's a when situation. I got that. But do we know when the trials are coming? Nope. In fact, the word encounter here, it speaks the literal meaning of falling into usually unexpectedly. So in other words, you're just cruising along. You're living your best life. You're enjoying your non-fat latte whatever. And bam, out of the middle of nowhere, you're up to your eyeballs in alligators and sand gnats. Those living in southwest Georgia know why sand gnats just made it into that equation. 
That is, in that moment, there's uh, things that are biting you and annoying you and coming after you in all different directions, and you just want it to end. You fall into it unexpectedly. That's how these trials come. And as soon as you find yourself in one of the new trials, you might wonder, how did I get here? What did I do wrong? Why is this happening to me? And we have to stop ourselves immediately in that moment and reframe it again. The, the issue is our tendency is to focus on the discomfort that the trial is causing. James, James says, reframe it with joy. Look through what the trial is doing and reframe it in joy. If God allowed it, he's using it. If he's using it, we need it. If we need it, we can be grateful for it. So let's talk about this for just a moment. I, I'm a very practical person. And sometimes whenever there's a text like this that says, count it all joy when you encounter various trials, like I'm thinking like, what does that look like for a believer who's actually in the trial? So things are coming at you from all directions. It's hard, you're hurting, you're in pain. And this text is saying, count it all joy. How, how do you stop? What does that look like in the moment? How do you stop what you're doing in the moment in order to reframe it with joy? Is it one of those fake it till you make it scenarios? Is it just that we verbally say, well, I'm gonna go through it with joy? Is it that we look at the problem like, thank you, God, for that good-looking toothy gator right there? Is it that we, we look at it and say, God, thank you for the fact it only bit one of my hands. I got another one. Like, how do you frame that moment with joy? Here's the beauty behind this. God knows that's hard for us. That's why there's three verses on perspective, and the fifth verse starts with if any of you lacks wisdom. In other words, if you don't know how to skillfully navigate this moment of life, ask God. A ask God. He, he gives to all liberally and without reproach. That means he gives an abundance, and he, he doesn't do it making somebody feel stupid for having hard questions in hard moments. He wants to walk with you through the trials. He wants it to be that when you look back over that set of circumstances, you will see that you are more mature on the other side than what you were when you walked in. That's, that's how we reframe it. Okay, so trials are coming. We got that. It's not an if, it's a win scenario, and even the win is unexpected. Got that. Okay, so can we at least know what kind of trials are coming? Nope. The word various, it speaks of variegated, many colored, diverse, varied. Uh, the word for trials, it has a basic meaning of testing, trying, proving, and even temptation. That same word for trials, it can have a negative, a positive, or a neutral connotation depending upon the circumstances. So in fact, in verses 1 through 12, you find that James is addressing a focus of trials on the outside, and then he gets into verses 13 through 27, and he focuses on trials or temptations on the inside. It's the exact same word that he's using all the way through. Sometimes it's out there, sometimes it's in here. His point is that trials and temptations will come in many shapes, 
many degrees, and in many shades. Every Christian will not encounter every trial to the same degree. But here's the issue. Every one of the options is on the table for all believers. How's that joy coming? See, this is why a text like this is so unbelievably important in our theology. There's a lot of prosperity gospel preaching that says if you give enough and you do enough, everything is going to work out great. You're not going to encounter problems. You're not going to face those trials. And In fact, there's teaching that would say if you're going through that, it's because there's a lack of faith in your life. And according to what we find in this text, when we're going through that, it's not a situation of the fact that God's saying, I don't love you, that I've, I, I'm abandoning you. It is a part of God's plan in our life. It's a part of his maturity process for his followers. This is one of those texts that if people understand it, the next time they go through trials, they don't feel like somehow God dropped them on their head. When they understand the text, it can reframe the moment and say, God, I don't like it. It hurts like crazy. But God, thank you for the fact that you're going to use this for my good and for your glory. Thank you for the fact you're going to reveal parts of your nature and character and issues of my heart that I've not been able to see otherwise. Thank you for this moment. It's going to be hard, but God, I pray that I am a good steward of the pain that you're sending right now. Have you thought of pain in a stewardship perspective? He wants us to steward the moments in a way that is redemptive. So in this text, a part of us reframing this entire thing is it's good to see how God uses trials. Now, by the way, this is by no means an exhaustive list, but I'm going to very quickly walk through just a number of ways that God uses trials in our life. There's biblical references on all of these, and just put it in there for you to go back and look at and to refer to later on. So trials test the strength and authenticity of our faith. Trials sanctify and mature us. Trials humble us. Trials eventually produce hope. Trials cause us to depend upon God instead of worldly things. Trials open opportunities to share the gospel. Trials turn our eyes toward heaven as our ultimate home. Pause there for a moment. I never understood scripture that talked about looking forward to heaven. Not, not that I, I'm opposed to heaven, but I really like life here. But listen. The older I've gotten, the more pain I see in this world, the more problems that are around, all of a sudden I've got a new longing and a new joy for what's waiting on the other side. Trials help us get our eyes off the temporal and place it back on the eternal. Trials help us see that you're just a pilgrim walking through this earth. This is not your home. Your home is somewhere else. Trials reveal what we really love. Trials teach us obedience and help us value God's blessings. Trials provide opportunity for eternal reward. Trials develop strength for greater usefulness. 
And also trials help us empathize with others. Now again, that is not an exhaustive list. That's just a handful of the ways that you can very clearly see how trials are being used by God in believers' lives. Now here's the thing. If you remove the word trials from each of those different statements, we would either value what it described or desire what it describes. In fact, if you look through that list and say, do I want what's coming with that? We would have to say yes. We want our faith strengthened and authenticated. We want to be spiritually mature and to walk in humility and to practically depend upon God. We want opportunities to share the gospel. We want to walk in obedience and to store up eternal rewards and to be used in greater ways. All of that sounds great, but here's the thing. While we want all of that, we don't want the packaging it comes in. It comes through the version of trials, problems, hardship, concerns. All of those things are important and necessary. Trials are incredibly valuable when you have the right perspective. But I want to reiterate it again. Our values determine our evaluations. To gain proper perspective, we have to value what God values. Instead of saying, God, why me? Say, God, teach me. So let's make it very personal. What is God teaching you through your pain? What are the lessons that he is sharing with you? How is God using current trials to accomplish his perfect result in your life? Are are you too busy right now planning your escape? Are you asking God, grow me in the midst of these circumstances? Are you at a place that you don't even know how to approach the next step? You you don't know what you need to do next. If if that's where you're at, then I'm going to encourage you to jump down into verse number five. Ask God for wisdom. God helps us so that we navigate those moments. Ask God to give you the strength that is needed to endure and to let the trial have its perfect result. It's been said that had we not gone through what we went through, we wouldn't know what we know today about God. And I think that people who have gone through some hard things would look back and say, I don't ever want to experience it again, but I'm grateful to God for what he taught in the process. Is there anybody in here who can testify on that? All right, now hold that thought. Some of you today are in the very circumstances that you will say that about a year from now. Don't waste your pain It's going to hurt one way or the other. Walk through it saying, God, give me your perspective. Grow me in these circumstances. Root out the stuff in my heart that shouldn't be there. Put in the stuff in my heart that should be there. God, use the circumstances. Help me not miss this moment. As we close out, we're going to give people a chance to respond. And I don't know what that response might look like for people in here. 
I do know that everybody is going through something, but we don't know what those individual things might be. It, it might be today that there's some people just simply say, I need somebody to pray for me. Like they're going through stuff and they're like, I, I don't even know how to pray anymore. You might need some prayer. It might be that you've been concerned not knowing, do I or do I not have a relationship with God? And you want to get that settled today. It might be that in the midst of your trials that you're walking through right now, you've recognized that you miss being in biblical community. You miss people knowing what's happening in your life and recognizing when you're not here and you see that that's a struggle. It might be that today you need to talk to one of the pastors or counselors about how it is that you can become a member here at Sherwood or what it would look like for you to be further engaged in the community of believers here. It might be that you're just wrestling with some things that you want to take to God in private. Wherever that is, I encourage you this morning, respond as God prompts you. Heavenly Father, we ask today that our hearts, our minds, our perspective would be yours. God, we recognize that if you don't change that perspective in us, then Lord, we're going to miss so much of what it is that you desire to do. God, there's... There's people that are hurting. We know that. There's people who are about to give up. We recognize that as a part of our humanity. Lord, would you meet with each of us in a personal way, helping us to reframe what we're walking through from your perspective. And God will be grateful for what you do. In Jesus' name, amen. And I ask you if you would stand. We're going to sing and the invitation is open. The altar is open.